listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Take a minute, please share today. This is going to be an important series. Um, I'll say it this way. I've been in the ministry now, which is pretty wild. I've been in the ministry now for 20 years, full-time. And in the 20 years that I've spent in full-time ministry, and then of course, you know, before that, uh, I was in the ministry uh, environment with my family uh, for my entire life. My father, as you guys know, is an evangelist, my mother, and they travel full-time, still preaching, still traveling. Um, and uh, I was in all of those meetings, you know, so I got to be in a lot of different situations and you get to see a lot of different things. Morning, Hannah. You see a lot of different things, right? So um, you see the do's and you see the don'ts. <laughs> Pretty much anywhere you go, you see the do's and you see the don'ts. And it was it's never surprising to me, really, that when you do see successful people in their own personal lives, their businesses, their ministries, they share a lot of very common traits. I mean, always. That's because there are common traits involved uh, for success. And you know what's funny to me is like, even if you were to go to uh, Barnes and Noble or something and you're looking at the business section and you're looking at the books that are produced, it always makes me laugh. I've read you know a bunch of business books. It always makes me laugh that a lot of the principles that they're teaching uh, in, in best-selling business books are biblical principles. It's because God has set these things up that bring us into success and increase. I want to say this at the very beginning before we get into any of these, because I know there's people that'll watch this or listen to this on the podcast and they'll think, well, you know, not, not everyone's going to be successful. You know, God has a plan for less successful people. He has a plan uh, for the very successful, you know, and sometimes God will keep you small for his purposes or, or what people think like that. And God's plan for those that are not yet successful or that are, that are still remaining small is that they become successful, is that they flourish in the thing that they're called to do, is that they increase steadily until the coming of Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. We know that because uh, we can look at different principles in the, in the scripture. If you're faithful over little, I'll make you ruler over much. You know, you read, you read in the, the parable of the talents, you know, uh, because you've been faithful over little, I'll make you ruler over much. And you understand that faithfulness and obeying the principles of God, it never causes you to decrease or diminish. It always causes you to increase. Pastor Bill Motley put in a great comment there in the, in the chat, the first command of God to his people was to increase. What did he tell them? Be fruitful and multiply. That was God's very first command to his people. Be fruitful and multiply. Love you, Pastor Bill. And so God wants his people to increase. I often quote to you so that it always resonates in your spirit, Proverbs 4.18. 
because I want it to never leave your spirit, never leave your mind. The path of the just is like a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. And so God's plan for your path is never ending increase. And I want you to make that your confession right at the beginning of this series in the chat. Put it in the chat. God's plan for my path is never ending increase. I mean, if you've never wrapped your mind around that, if you've never really thought like that, maybe you've had uh, poor teaching that maybe they've told you, you know, that's not really for everybody. You know, God picks and chooses who he blesses and, you know, his sovereign control. is. If that's been the way you've, you've been taught, Get your mind around that thought. Put it in the comments. God's plan for my path is never-ending increase. God's plan for my path is never-ending increase. And that's exactly right. That's exactly right. God does not want you to diminish by any means. He wants you to increase. In fact, Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17, the Bible says, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, and leads you in the way that you should go. So think of it, there's many ways you could go, but there's one way you should go. Many ways you could go, but there's one way that you should go. That's God's plan for your life. And when you follow that plan, what did God say? I will teach you to profit. You'll increase. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. When you obey the commands and the leading of the Spirit, you will be blessed. There's no question about it. There is no question about it. So, uh, we're going to look into these things. And we're going to go through this week and explain from the Bible what it looks like for people to be truly unstoppable in their increase. I mean... When I say unstoppable, and that's the title of the series, by the way, unstoppable. When you look at people being blessed in scripture, that God put his hand of blessing on them, they were truly unstoppable. Let me give you a few examples just for the sake of the series. Look at Joseph. And you, now listen, you can talk about haters all you want. You can talk about people standing against you. You can talk about people that are trying to steal your blessing. I know that that's, that's big right now. You know, everybody's talking about, you, you, you got your haters. You got, I get all that. But let me just make it very clear that the people we see in scripture all had that. And it didn't stop their increase. Look at Joseph. His brothers were like that. They didn't like him. They didn't like his dream. They didn't like his vision. They tried to kill him. And they decided not to kill him, so they sold him into actual slavery. <laughs> he became a slave. But the hand of God was so on his life that he was unstoppable. Totally unstoppable. And no matter where he got placed, he kept rising, rising, rising. It, it couldn't stop him from rising. Joseph... Ended up, he went from literally being almost murdered to being sold into slavery, to going to jail, to becoming the second most powerful man, truly, if you want to talk about it, in the world. Because Egypt was where it was at. In the world. So, look at these people in the Bible. Abraham. Did he have people that hated him? Yeah. But that he couldn't be stopped. He was unstoppable. Isaac... 
uh, Abraham's son went into Gerar to live during the time of a famine and got so blessed that the king showed up at his house and asked him to please move away. <laughs> Unstoppable. His son, Jacob, started to work for his uncle and his uncle started trying to steal from him, cheat him multiple times. And Jacob was unstoppable. His uncle said, here's what I'll do. I'll, uh, I'll let you have all the, the, the spotted and speckled, uh, um, you know, livestock. And in the night he took them all away. So as, as Jacob's breeding them, a miracle takes place because God's hand of favors on Jacob. And though his uncle took his inheritance away, every time new livestock is born, the strong ones, especially he made sure they came out spotted and speckled supernaturally. And he was unstoppable. All of these people, you talk about Jesus unstoppable. Do you know, Jesus had someone on his staff that was regularly embezzling money from his account, Judas. His own treasurer was embezzling money from his account. The Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that Judas was commonly stealing from the money bag. Commonly. But if you read the stories of, of Jesus throughout the Gospels, you don't find any place in the Gospels where Jesus ran out of money, didn't have enough finances to do uh, or carry out his ministry. You don't find any of that. Also, what you find instead is that God connected people with Jesus to ensure that he continued to flourish in his ministry. And I'm talking about partners. If you look in um, Luke chapter eight, look at verses one through three. Luke chapter eight, verses one through three. The Bible says, uh, soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Verse 2. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Verse 3. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them... Some translations say provided for him out of their means. So here are wealthy women connected to Christ's ministry that were partnering, that were making sure that he was fully supplied. Even though he had someone commonly stealing from him, he never ran out. His success was unstoppable. In his purpose, he was unstoppable. Loenda said, we're like military tanks. Unstoppable. And by the way, if you're just logging on, share this broadcast. I'm telling you, people need to hear this. People need to hear this. So we're going to get into uh, this week. I'll, I'll, we'll get through all 25 of these or 21 of these. But I wanted to give you uh, uh, some each day. But I want you to start with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The first uh, thing that we're going to cover, and by the way, these are not in any particular order. If you guys were wondering, like, are, are these like most important to least important? They're not in any particular order. I'm just going to go through um, these principles one by one and look at, it from, uh, look at it from scripture. So the first principle, which is 
Let me tell you, in 2022, or whatever year you might be watching this, 23, 24, 25, it's only gonna get worse, this, this thing that, that the world battles with. And this is it. Number one, uh, those that are unstoppable do not let comparison cripple them. Put that in the comments. That's number one. Number one, they don't let comparison cripple them. I have to deal with this because it's insane to me how big of a problem this is in the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ. Do you realize, <clears throat> think about this, <laughs> this, is, this is wild to me. Since the, since the development of social media, there are people that are literally battling self-esteem issues, anxiety, all these other things simply because they are comparing their life, their purpose, their ministry, their family, their business to others that they see on social media or in life. And it's literally, it's causing them to uh, be destroyed mentally. But see, those that are unstoppable, those that are successful, those that uh, go beyond expectation, even in this natural world, they refuse to let compa comparison cripple them. They will not. Remember this, someone else's calling is not your calling. There's not even a reason to compare. And it's a very unwise thing to compare yourself with someone else. That's why I had you turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul um, makes this statement to the church. And uh, he says this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. He said, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. One translation said they are unwise. They are without understanding. They are unwise. So when you compare yourself with, with someone else, it's an unwise and an unstable decision. Somebody, get, now get this, somebody else is not my yardstick. First of all, the word of God is my yardstick. But secondly, my own personal instructions from the Holy Spirit are my yardstick. Because I am not someone else. I'm who God called me to be. So for me to compare that with somebody else's life, business, ministry, family is completely unwise. And this is a massive issue that people are dealing with that comparison is crippling them. Let me, let me explain to you why practically. What'll happen is that people will start to compare themselves with somebody else's life, business, ministry, family, and then they'll try to take on what those people are doing. They'll try to emulate it. They'll feel like they're wrong if they don't have it, whatever. And, and then what ends up happening is because God didn't call them to do those things, then now they're on their own when it comes to doing them. So they have to come up with their own strength, resources, ideas, uh, connections, all of that because God's not in it. He never told us to do it. We're doing it because we saw someone else do it. And now God's not in it. 
right? Because God never told us to build that house. Unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain that build it. Psalm 127 and verse 1. I don't want to labor in vain. I don't want to do something I was not called to do because I saw someone else doing it. You know, and I made that early on. I, I may have told you this before. It's worth repeating here. Um, I, I come from a family of ministers. And so I made up my mind, like, you have to be this way. I'm, you know, you, you just make up your mind. I'm not doing something because someone else did it. And I'll tell you where I really drew the line on that was, you know, pretty much every one of my family members that are in the ministry are on television. My, my father is, my uncles are, um, my cousin is, you know, pretty much everybody that's in the ministry in our family is on television. Well, I told the Lord, I said, I am not going on television because others in my family are, even though I'm a minister. I'm not doing it unless you are in it, unless you tell me to do it. And there were many years I wasn't on and I didn't even have a desire to be on. And so I just said, you know what, Lord, unless you're doing it, and I didn't do it. And then when it became God's plan or when it got to the timing of the Lord, because his plans, you know, they don't change. When it became the timing of the Lord for my life, guess what happened? Because it was him. The doors just swung open by themselves. I didn't have to go searching. I didn't have to call up stations and ask if we could be on. I didn't have to call and say, hey, could you get the pricing on the... They found me. And because it was God's plan, God's timing, the doors opened up. And I'll tell you what else happened. That after that took place <clears throat> is that the resources came in. Think about that. So I didn't have to work to open the doors. And I didn't have to work to pay for the thing God was calling me to do because the Lord not only opened the doors, he provided the resources. So guess what that does for me? It takes all the stress off my shoulders to obey the word of the Lord and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I didn't have to exert my energy. I didn't have to get into a place where I was anxious, wondering how I was going to pay the bills and wondering where the money was going to come from and how am I going to, where's the equipment going to come from and how am I going to do it? All of it by the instruction of the Lord, opened the doors and provided the resources and causes it to happen. Not because I, I refused. I did that early on. I will not compare myself with somebody else and make, well, if he's doing it, I'm doing it. If she's doing it, I'm doing it. I'm not going to live that way. Don't you live that way. Don't allow yourself to make decisions based upon comparison. And don't, I'll tell you another thing. Don't allow yourself to um, get discouraged or anxious. Even if you don't like this, even if you don't make those decisions that I'm encouraging you not to make, you see somebody else doing it, so you do it. Even if you don't make the decisions to do what they're doing, also don't let what you see in somebody else discourage you, bring you anxiety, depress you. You're not them. They're not you. You're not called to be the same. You're not called to be the same. So do what the Lord's calling you to do. Now, Here's where uh, the exception to this rule is, is of course there are going to be people that have gone on ahead of us that are doing the same thing in areas that we are called to do as well. 
And so these are people that could become mentors, people that could show us the way. And so it's not that we're comparing, but now that we have our direction from the Holy Spirit, I can find somebody that's far ahead of me, that is successfully doing what I'm also now called to do and learn from that person. As Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me, Paul said. Uh, I love this. I wrote this in, uh, when I released the book called Further Faster. It's, it's about impartation. It's about this subject. I thought it was interesting that Paul also said that though he couldn't be with them in person, he said, I'm going to send Timothy to teach you to live like I live. People say, oh, how prideful. They all need to live like you live. Yes, that is how impartation and discipleship work. And Paul said, I'm going to teach you through my son, Timothy, how to live like I live. What's he trying to say? I'm far ahead of where you guys are and I'm trying to bring you with me. And so this is where it does help to have a level of comparison, but it's not in something you're not called to do. It's in something you are called to do. And let me say this. This will be helpful to you as, as kind of a rule of thumb. Put, put it in your notes, put it in the, in the comments. Don't compare backward. Don't compare sideways. Only compare forward. And I'll explain that, what I mean by that. Never compare backward. Never compare sideways. Only compare forward. So let me break that down. What does that mean? Never compare backward. Never look back at somebody that's doing far less than you and say, well, at least I'm not like them. Because that comparison, you know what it'll do? It will cause you to take your foot off the gas. It'll cause you to lose momentum because you think, well, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm far ahead of where they're at. Don't compare backward. You know, imagine if I was like pressing to become the best basketball player I could become. And, you know, I'm, I'm working out every day and I'm practicing on my ball handling skills and I'm doing all that I'm doing. Uh, I'm getting my, I'm running, I'm getting myself in shape. But then I look, I go over and look at some kid that plays, that's playing in first grade. And I look at where his ball handling skills are at. And he can hardly dribble the basketball. He can hardly shoot a free throw. And I look backward and say, well, I'm far ahead of where he's at. I can take it easy, I guess. No, don't compare backward. And people do that because the, the natural the natural uh, path of the flesh is to take it easy, is to back off, is to coast. And, and when the devil can trick you into comparing backward, they say, well, I'm far ahead of where he or she's at. I'm doing far better than them. I guess I'm all right. No, don't do that because your goal is not to go to where they're at or to stay where you are. It's to press on to the greater level. Secondly, never compare sideways. What does that mean? That's what I was talking about in this principle is that don't look at, don't look off to the side to people that are doing things you're not called to do and compare to them. Don't compare and say, well, I wish I was doing what she was doing, what he was doing. What that, that's not your calling. That's not your purpose. And when I tell you only compare ahead, that means look way out ahead of you to those that are doing what you are called to do, but at a much greater level and dimension and be like the disciples of the church with Paul. 
follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I show you how to live. You're finding someone that's in your same vein called what you're, do what you're called to do, and you're following after somebody that can help you to get where you're called to be. And that will help you. Never compare backward. Never compare sideways. Only compare forward. That will keep you moving forward, surrounding yourself that way. Um, go to Proverbs 26 and verse 12. This is also, this is all, this can also be a, uh, a pitfall of comparison because here's what you end up getting into. It can lead you to pride. And this is a proverb that I think we should keep in our spirit. Proverbs 26, 12, the Bible says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Though he may have a measure of wisdom, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So what ends up happening is he's comparing himself to people in a prideful way, well, I, I'm far better than them. I know way more than them. What happens to a person like that? Can't teach them anything. They can never learn anything new because they already view themselves as wise in their own eyes. Always. It's so sad to see people that you can't tell them anything. Please put your hand up in the comments if you've ever had to encounter somebody that you can't tell them anything. You, they, it's, it would be impossible for them to learn from anybody, to get any new advice, any correction. Can't learn from anybody. That's a sad place to be, man. And it's a frustrating kind of a person to have to deal with. Can't hear, learn, receive. They're just, uh, no, no, you, you, I already know, I know. You know, one of the most, that's a huge pet peeve is if you're trying to tell somebody something that you, they clearly don't know, and as you're talking to them, they're like, I know, I know, I know, no, I know, I know. It's like, that you don't know. That's why I'm telling you. That's why I'm trying to teach you. You don't know. I know, I know, I know. Don't be that person. Wise in their own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for that person because they've cut themselves off from being able to move forward. Jess Burton says, teachability is the number one thing I look for in employees and those I want to promote. That's so, you know why? Because teachability is a sign of meekness or humility. Teachability is a sign of meekness and humility. And that's, you have to have that in order to, to move forward. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives more grace or favor to the humble. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek. That's the, the humble. For they shall inherit the earth. So meekness, humility, it's the key to inheritance. It's the key to promotion. That's why Jess is saying that. I look for that. Humility, teachability. Why? Those are the people that will stay humble, stay hungry, stay working. They never get to the place like, well, I, I know everything I need to know. Pride. It goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So that kind of comparison, it, it literally, it cuts you off from being able to move forward. 
So the number, thing, number one thing we're dealing with today, that, that's number one, is they don't let comparison cripple them. Those that are unstoppable, they don't let comparison cripple them. Let's move on to number two. The second law you have to have in place is that those that are unstoppable remain kind and compassionate. Kind and compassionate. This is a huge, huge thing. Kind and compassionate. They're, what are they trying to do? They're trying to build others up. They're trying to build others up. Kind and compassionate. Um, if, if you were to go with me, we could go to the classic text of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's going to actually define for us what this looks like in practicality. Kind and compassionate for others. We exist to be a help to others. Um, let me say this. It's, it's funny to me that secular business people understand these principles and many times Christians, though they should, do not. And uh, I was listening to a guy um, who may not be for the faint of heart if, you, if you're like one, one of those people that's just like offended by every little thing. I get the fact he's not saved. He's not a Christian. So he's not going to talk like a Christian. So he, he, he does at times have a very filthy mouth and he just, that's how he talks. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a, he's a, uh, well, he's a businessman. He owns a marketing firm. He does a lot of things, but he, he came up with a principle in business. He's very successful and a lot of people want him to speak and teach. Uh, but w one of the things that caught me, that struck me when he's dealing in relationship with other people in a business situation He's developed a principle that he calls the 51-49 principle. The 51-49 principle. And he explains it this way. He said, when I enter into a relationship with anybody, business, whatever it might be, he said, I try my very best to employ the 51-49 principle. And the way he explains that is, I try to give... 51% of the value in any relationship so that I'm giving you more than I'm taking from you. That's his goal. I always want to give you more value in our friendship, in our business relationship, whatever it might be. I want to give you more value than you're giving me. And that's why he calls it. 51% comes from him and 49% comes from the person he's in relationship with, whether it be friendship, business, whatever. And that's a goal he sets to try to work hard to, if you want to call it this, even though he doesn't, be a blessing to that other person in the relationship. I want to work hard so you don't feel like I'm mooching off you and that our relationship is me always getting from you. I'm working to make sure that you get more value out of this relationship than I'm getting. And that makes him happy to run his business and life that way. Why? Because his goal is to be a help to others. His goal is to build up others. And you can see that. And it, and it makes a difference because people always leave you feeling like, man, they feel built up. They feel encouraged. They feel like they've, they've received something. But kind and compassionate. That's the mindset that drives that. If you're not kind and compassionate, you miss out. What ends up happening, especially in business, and if you're not careful, ministry, 
Uh, you go through, people get burnt, people have uh, deals gone bad, they have issues in business, they have people that are jerks, all that. If you're not careful, you can become apathetic instead of empathetic. You, you can become apathetic. You just start getting jaded, you start getting calloused, and you stop caring about the people that you're dealing with. And you just, it's all, it's all about business, it's all about the money, whatever it might be. But you've got to remain kind and compassionate. Those are the things that drive, that's love. It drives, it's the driving force of the kingdom. And we're in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, and, I, and I love this because think about it. Paul just took a whole section of his letter to teach the church about the powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit. The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they are powerful. And then he says at the end of that section, he said, earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. Well, what is that a segue into? Love. He's segueing into love. So what does he say in 13 verse 1? If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have no love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge and have all faith so as to move mountains, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So notice, he's saying that love is actually more important than operating in the gifts of the Spirit. According to Paul, he said, it's all nothing if I don't have love in my life. If I don't walk in love, if I don't display love. I mean, think about that. If I have all prophetic powers and words of knowledge and wisdom, if I have tongues and prophecy, all these different things, but if I don't have love, I've got nothing. So he's showing you that love is the greatest thing. Then he starts to define what it looks like when someone does have love, kindness and compassion. Look at it. Love is patient and what? Kind. There it is. There it is. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It never ends. It never ends. And he said in verse 13, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Notice that, kindness and compassion. I'll tell you something <clears throat> that is a, uh, when we're talking about this kindness and compassion, when you're in relationship with people, whether that's business, whatever it might be, <laughs> do your best. And I know it's not always easy. If you are ending a relationship or leaving a business partnership or whatever it may be, do your very best to exit relationships gracefully. Put that in the comments. Exit relationships gracefully. Please get this in your spirit. Exit relationships gracefully. One of the things, because you don't even know, you may deal with these same people again in the future. And all they remember about you was how much of a jerk you were. 
how, how you treated them, how you talked to them, whatever that might be. Because I'll tell you something. Years from now, if Jesus tarries, even as a preacher, I know this. People aren't going to remember all the sermons I preached. They're not going to remember all these different things that I said. And did. You know what they're going to remember and what people always remember? People remember how you made them feel over everything. So it's like all that took place in a relationship kind of gets boiled down to what feeling they had when they left you. And that's the thing that's imprinted on their spirit. How you made them feel. That's what people remember. They may not even remember why they feel that way about you. It could be, they're going to be like, yeah, I just never, I don't know. I, I don't even know why I never really liked him. I never really liked her. They don't know why. There's people that can't even tell you why. But it's because they remember how you made them feel. How you made them feel. Was there kindness and compassion involved? Was there love involved? People know. People can spot that fake a mile away. But they also can spot genuine a mile away. Kindness and compassion drive these things. People will remember how you made them feel. No question. No question. That's why I try to do my, my very best. If you've ever been around me, you know, I don't try to get, you know, I'm not, I know things are important, but I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy making people happy. I mean, I enjoy encouraging people. I mean, I honestly do. I sit with people, talk to them, and I'll find the ways to encourage them. Whatever it is they're doing, you know, I want to find the things that they're doing well, and then I want to encourage them with those things. Why? I want people leaving, feeling built up, feeling encouraged, feeling strengthened. I want to be the one the Bible talks about in Proverbs 27 and verse 17 that uh, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. <laughs> Zach, who, who works with us, Zach and Heather, <laughs> their son Aiden was in uh, children's church <laughs> yesterday and he was reciting his memory verse, which was that Proverbs 27, 17. And he, he quoted it. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man cut another. <laughs> It's an excellent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that, I'm getting that tattooed on my back, across my chest, right under the thug life. Um, kindness and compassion. I want to be that person that's sharpening the other person. I want them to leave encouraged. I, wanna, I want them to leave built up. I want them to leave happy. I want them to leave, uh, you know, feeling like they can do what they didn't think they could do before. I want the gift of faith to operate in my life. Even not, not when I'm preaching only. When I'm talking to people at a dinner table, when I'm hanging, I want them to feel built up in their life. I want them to be encouraged to do what God's called them to do. I don't want to be that person that's always talking about myself. Like, did you hear what I did? Did you hear about? I already know everything I know. You see, and kindness and compassion builds others up, encourages other people. And it will help you because, and it's not, it's not that this is a manipulation game. These things should be truly done for the benefit of someone else. But let me tell you, it will benefit you. It will benefit you. Just think. I mean, it's like Jess, Jess Burton was saying when she's looking to promote somebody. You know, when you're thinking back, 
You know what you're going to remember even as a boss? You're going to remember, you know what? I like that. And it, it has nothing to do with brown nosing. It's how, it's how you live your life. You know what? I like them. They're always prompt. I like the fact that they always get back to me. I, always can, I can always reach them. You know, I can always get a hold of them. They're never AWOL. You know, I, I like, and then they, what is it? Everything you've done creates this overall feeling about who you are. And it just, it builds this feeling, a reputation that goes before you that people want to be around you. They want to give you opportunities. They want to, uh, you know, whatever that might be. They like it. it. They remember how you made them feel. He's always happy. You know, I've never seen him come in. I've never seen her come into the office a wreck. I've never seen her come in with, a, and people freak out about that in this day and age. Man, you seem to never have bad days. You seem to never have bad days. And you come in and you're kind and you're upbeat and you're, you know, you're not coming in, uh, something ticked you off on the drive to work and now you're ripping people apart at 9 a.m. in the morning. No, you're the opposite of that. Kindness and compassion. Exactly when people miss you when you're not present. Exactly right. Oh, you didn't come. I wish he was going to come. He's not coming tonight. People, that's how they should feel about you because you're full of kindness and compassion and people will remember for sure how you made them feel. So successful people that are unstoppable, they never compromise their kindness and their compassion. They don't compromise their kindness and compassion. That's number two. Number three, let me give, it, give, give you this, this one. People that are unstoppable, they never make decisions when they're tired or emotional. That's number three. People that are unstoppable, they never make decisions, especially important decisions, when they're tired or emotional. Like, for example, in the middle of a crisis. They don't make decisions, especially important life decisions, in the middle of going through something like that. That, will, that, that can shipwreck you. And that'll shipwreck you quickly. Unstoppable people never make decisions when they're tired or emotional. Don't ever do that. Don't allow yourself to do that. Because let me tell you, a tired or emotional person is a terrible decision maker. Terrible decision maker. Don't allow yourself, do not allow yourself to make decisions in that state. You know, you know what you should do instead? You know, uh, I, was, I, was I was studying this one time. I was reading about um, or just looking into more hiking, different hiking places, camping places throughout the United States. And I was reading about all these areas. And man, some of the areas are like extremely remote, especially if you go out west, man. You can, you can hike out, leave the trail and do off-grid hiking and camping where it's like, bro, you better have a serious sense of direction, a topographical map, or a GPS system that you've got with you because you get out into the West where it's just all land that looks the same. Let me tell you something. You better, have a, uh, you better know how to get back. Well, one of the things that I was reading about is that people get lost. And, I mean, there's, there, there's no scarier feeling than, than being in a place where you're like, I'm lost and in a place where no one knows that I am and I'm not going to encounter anybody, I don't know if I'll ever make it back. <laughs> I, 
I remember when I just to get a, an, a, an offshoot story of this story. I was when I was a youth pastor one time. I used to take my youth out into the woods, and um, and I would, I would, uh, I would do all kinds of fun stuff. We'd go to camp. You know, we do summer camps in the woods. Is what I mean. That sounded kind of creepy. I'd take my youth into the woods. Uh, we would do summer camps <laughs> in the woods, like out in the woods, and uh, at these cabins and stuff. Well, one night. We found this trail. We were out in the woods of Virginia somewhere, and uh, we found this trail. And uh, I took all of my youth group, and they were some of them very young, you know. And I got all these girls and guys, and we're like out there, no flashlights. I mean, this was dumb. And and we go out. It's it's nighttime, so we had just gotten there. We're exploring the campground, and we find this trail that's going into thick woods. And so I was like, all right, everybody, let's go on a little adventure into the woods. Dumb, dumb idea. So here we go, and we're like going out on this trail into the woods. And uh, we keep on walking and walking, and the trail's winding through the woods and all this. And then suddenly, I turn around and look back, and I can no longer see the lights from the campground. Like we are in the dark of the woods. We're basically moving our way through the trail with cell phone lights. And I'm like, you talk about fear gripping you. I'm thinking to myself, like, I am in charge of all these students, and some of them very young. We are like out in the Virginia woods. It's like nighttime. I'm talking like dark of night. I can't see the lights of the campground anymore, and I don't know what to do. And I was like, I was feeling a panic come on, like, oh Lord. They're gonna, I, I was like, I was like at the point where I was like, we're going to have to like sleep out here tonight and wait until sunrises and try to make our way back to the camp. I felt panic hit me, but I'd read, I'd, I'd done enough study. I'd read enough of that to know, you know, never panic, stop, think for a minute what you should do or whatever. And I, and so I said, let's all turn our cell phone lights on and just kind of go in, in a, uh, uh, like a 360 to see what, what, what our surroundings are. So we all had our lights on as we're turning. I saw, obviously, somebody that ran the camp was smart enough to know probably students are going to go out into the woods in the night and not, not know how to get back. So as we turned, we saw a huge white arrow spray painted on a tree that was showing us in the trail which way to go. And then those arrows were on trees on the path all the way back to the camp. And we made it back. The point I'm making from that is when you get into a situation where you're either tired, emotional, something may have happened to you, they tell you, even in hiking, don't panic. Because what people will do, they'll panic and start running and freaking out. They don't know where they are. They, they just have an anxiety attack. They tell you, sit down and begin to think. Take, they tell you, the first thing to do, take stock of all the equipment that you have on your person. Do you have a knife? Do you have food? Do you have water? Do you have, you know, whatever. They tell you, just list it out, you know. And it's getting your mind to work. It, what is it doing? It's not causing you to make decisions in the midst of being freaked out, panicked, emotional, you know, whatever. Tired. Overtired. And that's exactly what we do. I would encourage you, if you are in that kind of a situation where you're overtired, you, you've had something happen to you, you know, it's like people will make even poor financial decisions because they had a crisis hit. You know, 
well, so-and-so died. I'm just going to give all their stuff away. And it was like, hold on, hold on a second. You know, it's like, don't make those important decisions, life decisions especially, when you're in the middle of uh, tiredness and emotion or crisis, whatever it might be. I would encourage you to do exactly what uh, that hiking website recommended, which is to take stock. How about this? When you're in that kind of a situation, stop for a minute and begin to think about all of the good things that the Lord's done for you. And then itemize, just like they're doing with their backpack, itemize your life though. And begin to thank God verbally. Start to thank Him for all of the things that God has done in your life. Begin to be a grateful, thankful, praiseful person in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of overwhelm, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of whatever that emotion might be that you're dealing with, begin to thank God and begin to praise God for each individual thing that you know that he's done. I don't care if it's from 20 years ago. Begin to thank him and praise him and give him glory for each thing. And watch this. As you're doing it, what's happening? You're doing double duty. That praise is activating his presence. And in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. And at his right hand are what? Pleasures forevermore. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what are you actually doing? In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of an emotional situation, in the midst of tiredness, you're actually renewing your strength and renewing your joy by taking that action, taking that step. Unstoppable people do not make decisions in the midst of a crisis, emotions, or tiredness. Don't ever do it. And it'll help you. Why? Because our decisions, watch now. Our decisions need to be based on what the Holy Spirit has instructed us to do with our lives. Not based on how we feel about what has just happened. Not based upon how we feel because of everything that's been on our shoulders. Our decisions should always be made based on what the Holy Spirit has told us to do for our lives. I'm blown away a lot of times by people who make decisions because they're tired of doing something. Well, I'm tired of this. I had a guy that I, that I was trying to help back when I was an associate pastor. He came up to me. He was like, you know what? I just really feel like God had a better, has a better job for me than what I got now. Now, this is a dude who had a family. He had a family. He had kids to feed. And he goes, I just feel like God's got a better uh, uh, job for me. I was like, okay, well, I'm with you. I, I can believe with that. But then I find out he quit the job he had. I was like, hold on, hold on a second. You quit your job? He's like, oh yeah, God has a better job for me. I was like, well, do you have it lined up? Do you have the actual job lined up? No, but I know God's going to bring it. Well, in the meantime, you've got a wife and kids and a house and a car and whatever else. You have to keep providing. You've got to keep providing. People make dumb decisions based on an emotion. I, I, man, I got an epiphany. I was praying. I feel like God's got a better job for me. I'm quitting the one I've... Don't quit it until you've lined up the other one. It's like, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? That's not wisdom. That is you making a decision off of a feeling, an emotion, or being tired of the thing you've got before. Right? People don't, don't make decisions based 
on how you feel, what's going on, tiredness, emotion. Make those decisions based upon the Holy Spirit and his leading. That's number three. Here's, a, here's something that's so very powerful. Number four. People that are unstoppable, they leave the mundane to think with vision. Get, get that one in your spirit. That's number four. People that are unstoppable, they leave the mundane to think with vision. Now, I'm going to explain what that means. Many times we get so busy, just the day-to-day, just going, 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 going. We get so busy in the day-to-day, our schedules, our life, our business, our ministry, whatever it is, there's so much that has to get done all the time. I mean, seriously, have you ever felt this way? Put a hand up in the comments if you have felt this way. That's like, man, I just need more hours in the day, whatever it might be. It's like, it's an, it feels like a nonstop, I'm on a hamster wheel kind of a feeling. And you're just like, there's always something to get done, always something to do. And people feel like that. They start getting burnt out. But what happens, think about this now. What happens is, if you just keep living that way, then you'll never be able to increase because you'll only ever be doing what you're currently doing. Think about that. You'll only ever be doing what you are currently doing. And if you don't take time to break away from that mundane routine to begin to think with vision about the future, then you'll remain in that mundane hamster wheel life for the rest of your life because you've never taken the time to imagine, to brainstorm, to think, to pray about what more there could be, what more you could be doing. It's a dangerous place to be. It's literally a trap. It's a trap. Uh, I wish Dylan Drost was on today. And if he's on, please comment, Dylan, if you're just listening only. Because there's a quote that I know Dylan will know that I don't know the, but maybe Tiffany could find it on, the, on Google. Um, it goes something like this. I'm going to give you the gist of the quote. I'd love to know who said this. But the quote is, oh, let, me give you the, the, let me give you the gist and see if you can find it. It's something like this. A salary is, it's something like a salary is a prison they put you in to forget your dreams or something like that. It's very close to that. A salary is something they pay you to forget your dreams or a salary is a prison they put you in to forget your dreams. Something like that. Something like that. And if Dylan was on, he would know right away who said that in the exact quote. But Tiff, if you can find it, that would be great. But I read that once and that shook me because I understood what it meant. Did you find it? What? Yeah, just tell me what it is. A salary is the drug that you Who said it? Um, Kevin O'Leary? Robert Kiyosaki? A, who was it? A salary is the drug they give you to forget your dreams. There it is. Thank you, Ashley Wright. Thank you, Tiffany. A salary is the drug they give you to forget your dreams. Think about what that means. 
People never break away from that. So, so what are they doing? They're letting someone else determine how far they can go in life because that person determined their salary, which means that that's their, there it is. There's your limitation. There's your limitation. Someone else put it on you. And now you have to live under that banner of this is what you're worth. So you get into busy work. You go into that routine day after day after day. And that salary is the drug they give you to forget your dreams. Wow, Ashley. She said, I remember from a previous broadcast, it's on a post-it on my desk. That's awesome. And Denise is right. That's why you start your own business. Let me tell you, Denise and Glenn, who I love, I'll tell you what I appreciate. They are go-getters. And one of the things that is true that she's saying, you're not limited by anything because you are filled with the Holy Spirit who gives you an advantage over the rest of this world. First of all, he's the teacher, which means there's nothing you can't learn. He's the teacher. You don't need to, any man should teach you because the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. He can teach you all things. There's nothing you can't understand. There's nothing you can't work through. You have the advantage of the Holy Spirit dwelling in your physical body. And so you're not limited by the mundane. You're not limited by what the world says you can have or you can be. You're unlimited. And here's the powerful thing. That whole getting out of the mundane to think with vision. Notice what the Bible teaches, that without prophetic vision, people perish. But flip that on its, on its head. With prophetic vision, people flourish. Rather than perishing, you'll be flourishing with prophetic vision. So what does that mean? That means I'm going to break out of the mundane, my day-to-day-to-day-to-day, routine, routine, routine. You become like the walking dead through life. You know, you don't, there's, you're never getting more than what you're doing. And I'm going to get it. What does that mean? What does that mean for a Christian? You might get into times of fasting and prayer and say, Lord, there's more. Show me more. Show me what I could be doing. You're going to get around people that are going to sharpen you and teach you. This is what you should do this. You should try this. All these ways God, God uses to speak to you, bless you. He may speak to you while you're reading the word. He may give you an insight while you're reading the word of God. But whatever that is, engage, engage in that kind of possibility thinking. That kind of, you know, what, what could we be doing? What could I be doing? You know, rather than, rather than the average person, you know, you get to the place where you have some extra money finally. And your debts are paid off. And you're, you know, you finally got 2,500 extra bucks in a savings account or 5,000 extra dollars. Rather than most people say, you know what, I'm just going to let that sit in the savings account. Or rather than most people, I'm going to go out and you know what, I deserve something nice. I'm going to go spend it on myself. Rather than that, start to give some possibility. What could I do with that $5,000 that would bring me even more back? What could I do? Possibilities. You're not limited. You're not limited. By any means, you're not limited. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was reading this on Facebook. People, it's, it's all about your mindset, what, what you allow yourself to see based on who you are in Christ. But it's, it's making me laugh. There was this, I saw this on Facebook, the story of this girl. I think her mom posted it. She had put a lemonade stand outside of her neighborhood in her driveway and people are driving by. And she, her mom, 
is ch checking her money at the end of the day, and there's all these massive bills. For a lemonade stand, 20s, 50s, 10. It's like, what, what? And she's like, what have you been doing? Well, apparently, the little girl, when people, when people were stopping to, to buy lemonade, they would, you know, they may not have had a one on them or whatever. And so that they'd hand the little girl, you know, here's, here's a 10, here's a 20. And instead of giving change, the little girl just was like, thank you for your donation. <laughs> she didn't even give it. She wasn't even given the option of change. She was just, thank you for your donation. I mean, what an idea. And I'm sure it's not even like, I'm sure it just like happened. It's not like she was plotting it, but it's like, what an idea. Thank you for your donation. Let me tell you, when do you think somebody came up with for the very first time at the grocery store or wherever else, would you like to round up your purchase for this cause? When do you think was the first time somebody came up with that? And can you imagine, can you imagine how much extra money throughout a year is raised because people are just rounding up their purchase every day? Think about that. I thought to myself, let me, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm already filled with the Holy Spirit, Godwin. <laughs> Stop putting it in the comments. I'm full to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> I was staying at a hotel recently with my wife. And I thought to myself, what an amazing scam this is. And like, I can't even imagine how much money a hotel property makes throughout a year running this scam, which is really, I mean, I, you can't say that it's illegal because it truly could be a mistake, but we leave, we're staying, we were staying at a, a, a for our anniversary, we're, we're at the uh, Ritz in Naples. We're leaving and uh, they, you know, all those hotels have those mini bars. Well, of course we don't drink. And we looked and che Carolyn checked our itemized bill and it showed like, you know, like some kind of watermelon refresher, you know, alcoholic drink had been drunk and one, uh, some other drink. And so we called the hotel back and said, hey, we wanted to just talk to you quickly. It was like 20 bucks or something for those two drinks, $20. We're like, we wanted to talk to you. We were looking at the itemized bill and the bill says that we drank two drinks from the mini bar, but we don't even drink. And so this is a mistake and it needs to be taken off of our, off of our bill. Well, you know what the people said when we called them? They said, you know what? Um, we'll take that right off. And he said, and we all, I, they were like, we were like, you can go up and check. You can go check the inventory. And they were like, you know what? We don't even check. We just take the guest's word for it because now all of our mini bars are on sensors. So the moment you remove that drink from the sensor, it just charges your room. Think about how amazing that is. How many of those rich people that go stay there do you think are itemized checking every bill when they check out? They're probably just paying and going home. Imagine if they were doing 20 to $30 to 10,000 people a month. Do you know how much money that would be at the end of a year? And all you could just say if they called you to, for the discrepancy, well, you know, everything's on sensors, so it could be just a mistake, we'll refund you. But think about how many people are not calling to have those mistakes refunded. And you know, who knows who came up with that, but you're making millions. All I'm saying is, 
there is a thought that God can give you. Not to scam your neighbor out of a watermelon cooler, but <laughs> at the same time, think who, come, who came up with these ideas? Who came up with the Roundup idea? Think about this girl running the lemonade stand. What idea is God going to give you? You break out of the mundane and in fasting and prayer, through reading the word, through getting around people God's placed in your life, let me tell you something. What's going to come into your life? How is God going to bless you in a way where you're like, man, I never saw this before, and then it was like I had a revelation that I could be doing this. You know, like, think about, I, I, I use her all the time, but like, you know, Britt just commented a minute ago, you guys have all, many of you have tried her cake pops. Those of you that came to the Partner uh, Victory Tribe weekend, you got to taste them, you got to try them, many of you have ordered them, you know? It's like, when did she get that idea? And, and did she expect that it would blow up like this? So she's uh, at home with her kids, but blowing up and people are ordering hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds every single week. You're like, where did that, who would have thought you could be that blessed making cake pops? But you can, because God will give you ideas. You break out of the mundane, possibility thinking, what's available to me? I'll not be defined by someone else's limitations. And unstoppable people leave the mundane to think with vision. What's possible? What could I do? What could I do? And that'll be your story as well in Jesus' name. Let me give you the final one for today. This is number five. Uh, and this, this is a little bit ties in, but it goes along with the previous point. Unstoppable people don't call things impossible. Unstoppable people don't call things impossible. Instead, they create strategies. They create strategies. They have no limit thinking. No limit thinking. They don't call things impossible. I, I hate that. That's such a, it's, it's such a dismissive thing to say something's impossible just because you've never seen it before. Well, I don't think I could ever own my own business. Nobody in our family's ever, you know, we're just people, you know, just good people, you know, just debt. We got debt though. And we got, you know, that's how people think because they've never seen their family do it. They've never seen anybody else do it. They've never heard of anything like that. So they say, I don't know about that. I don't think that's possible. Don't call things impossible, especially when you serve a God of the impossible. All things are possible to them that believe. All things are possible to them that believe. Don't call things impossible. Instead, strategize. Instead, strategize. Because you know what you know what happens? Let me just tell you. People call things impossible before they even research them. Well, I don't think I could ever own my own business, brother. Do you even know what it takes to own your own business? Have you ever even looked at the, the, the point by point steps of what it takes to have your own business? It's more simple than people realize it is. It's easier to do than most people even know. And now, with the addition of things like YouTube, where you can learn anything you want to learn, there's no excuse for people to say, oh, I don't think I can do that, I just don't know what's involved. People will call things impossible before they've even researched it. I don't think we could ever do that. I mean, that's, that's pretty difficult stuff right there. I mean, you know. Well, do you know what it takes? No, I've not looked into it, but I just know there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, anything of value has a lot that goes into it. 
but it's worth your time to figure out what steps you have to take. Let me tell you, things get a lot easier when you have actionable steps written down. You say, well, here's, here's all I gotta do. This, 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 and this, and I'm, I'm launched. Now that I'm launched, now I gotta do this, this, and this. I, I'm, now I'm marketed. Now that I'm marketed, I gotta do this, 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 and I can start getting clients, start making money. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Unstoppable people don't call things impossible. I mean, you gotta think about it. There was, there was a time I was listening to a guy, I won't mention his name because I know people will be offended that, I, that I've listened to him, but he was talking about the fact that you know, people were calling Steve Jobs such an amazing, uh, you know, uh, such an amazing inventor. Steve Jobs was an amazing inventor. This guy was like, is he really though? Was he really? Or did he just really have a great team behind him? He's like, because I, I envision him coming in and being like, I want you to put all my music and all my phones and all my contacts and all my computer in this little device. Get on it. But like, who would have thought? Like, because I can remember. Let me just tell you. I, 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 I was uh, married about a year. And I was working at the church. And I remember Carolyn and I talking and be like, man, there's something specific. There's an Apple event today. It was 2007. I was like, there's an Apple event today. I can't, they said they're going to get ready to drop something huge. Nobody knew what it was going to be. And they came out and pretended like they were going to be releasing three different products. They released one product and it was the iPhone. Nobody had ever seen anything like it before. Blew everybody's minds. It was like half the size of this. It was like that big. And, and he came out on the stage, pulled that thing out of his pocket, said, hey, you've got a widescreen iPod with touch controls. You've got an inter internet communications device. You've got a phone. You know, people were looking at that thing. I mean, just the people in the room, like, just jaw dropped open because people say, oh, that's impossible. You know, that's like something from Star Trek. How are you releasing that in 2007? They thought it was impossible. Everybody else thought it was impossible. But people that are unstoppable don't call things impossible. They don't call things impossible. You know, it's like Elon Musk saying, I'm going to start my own privatized, I'm going to have my own personal NASA and call it SpaceX, launch my own rockets into space. Be like, that's impossible without government. It's not, it's not impossible. Don't call things impossible, especially if you're a Christian. It's always impossible to people until it gets done. Oh man, I didn't know. And then, then you know, you hear people say, oh man, I didn't know you could do that. I had no idea you could do that. Yeah, I know. That's why you didn't do it. But don't, don't call things impossible. Instead, create strategies to get to that thing. It's a no limit kind of thinking. It's a no limit kind of thinking. I like, if you scroll back up, what Denise was saying about Glenn, I'm sure people thought he was crazy. She said, Glenn started his business when we had two children under two and people called him crazy. That's crazy. You know, like you, you don't have time for that. How are you going to do that? How are you going to make all that work? It'll work. We'll create a strategy. It'll happen. It'll happen. St stop calling things impossible. They're not impossible. Just ask the Holy Spirit to give you strategies to make things happen. You ever think about that? I mean, think about how powerful this would be. If, you know, like we're talking about right now, the Holy Spirit gave you an idea that would fully fund, like fully fund your life and family. And you could do it from your house. You could do it from anywhere in the world. You could literally do it from anywhere in the world and do what you wanted. I was thinking about, um, you know, uh, a friend of ours and his wife, they felt, you know what? We want to just be in revivals all the time. 
We want to be in revivals. And, and it, it sounds crazy. But they're like, you know, we're going to sell everything we have. We're going to sell our house. We're going to sell our stuff and buy a beautiful truck and a beautiful RV. And we're going to, we're going to just go on the road. And then still does things uh, uh, from the road, but literally can be in revival anytime they want to be. They can go to the stand at Dr. Rodney's and spend time there. They can come to our tent meetings. They can come to our camp meetings. We've seen them all, all over the place. Just literally living together, having, the, having a blast. You know, that's what they wanted to do. Others were like, that's impossible. You can't just be on the go all the time, do whatever you want. You got a baby, you got a little kid, you got a dog, you got a business, you got a family you got to take care of. Don't call it impossible. If that's what my goal is, we'll just create strategies. We'll create strategies and figure out how to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. That's powerful thought to be able to say, you know, it's not impossible. It is not impossible. I just need the right strategies. I just need the right strategies. So today, today's five, number one, unstoppable people don't let comparison cripple them. They are always kind and compassionate. They never make decisions when they're tired or emotional. They always leave the mundane to think with vision and they never call things impossible. They create strategies. They have no limit thinking. All week we're covering this series, 21 things. 21 things. And it's gonna be, listen, I don't know. At some point, this might be a book. I'm not sure. But don't miss any of these. All week at 10.30 a.m. But I want to pray for you. I feel like this is going to be a week that's going to launch people. It's going to launch people into what God has for you. This is our year of divine possession. We're going to have what we've never had. We're going to do what we've never done. We're going to go where we've never gone. This is that year. And we've put our faith on that. We're not coming off of it. And it's going to take some of these things to break out of where we've been before and do something we've never done. And God, let me tell you something. God is going to do amazing things for his faithful people. Amazing things. And I'm telling you, prepare yourself. Father, I pray for every person watching, those that are listening on the podcast, I pray today in the mighty name of Jesus that whatever it was, I don't care if it was from their upbringing, from their surroundings, what they've been taught in a church that didn't have revelation, I don't care what it is. Lord, I ask you, any of these things that would be hanging on your precious people, that would keep them from supernatural advancement and promotion, I pray that by your spirit that you would break it off of their life let them see truly from the word of God what needs to be changed. Give them a revelation of who they are in Christ, in Jesus' name. And give them that revelation that truly nothing is impossible if we believe. And so, Lord, I'm asking you today, quickly, would you open the doors for your people? Lord, before we even come to the end of the first half of this year, let this be a season of supernatural open doors before June even comes to an end, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let this be a season of supernatural open doors and let us finish this year laughing as we look back and see how far you've brought us in such a short period of time. We thank you for that. We give you praise. Put a supernatural strength upon your people, supernatural joy and peace. We thank you, Lord, for it. 
We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. If you believe it, you receive it, throw some fire, throw some hands up in the comments. And I'm challenging you on this Monday to sow a seed by faith. Let me tell you, I've been sowing like crazy this year. And of course, you know my, you know my strategy. Every year we're going to do more for the Lord than we did the, the last year. We've been sowing like crazy this year because we've got harvests coming to us that are going to be mind-blowing. I'm challenging you to do the same. For those of you, everybody that's uh, sowing today, $1,000 or more, three things that we want to send you this month. Number one, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's book, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Brother Hagen's book, The Triumphant Church, and the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translators' notes. Um, my favorite new tool to study the Bible. Everybody that's sowing $1,000 or more, we want to make these three things available to you as our way of saying thank you. If you're sowing $250 or more, we want to send you those two books uh, by Brother Hagen and by Dr. Rodney. And then, of course, if you're sowing at $85 this month or more, we're going to send you Dr. Rodney's book, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to receive any of those after you've sown your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Please fill out the form so we know where to send that and uh, we'll get it out to you ASAP. Um, let me say, for those of you that are a, a part of Bible Study Made Simple, which I'm so excited about this, today is new content uh, in the course. And today we're covering the grammatical principle uh, of interpretation. I'm very, very excited because we're getting very close to uh, finishing up this section on how to study the Bible. Then we're going to get into our Bible studies. And before we do, we're going to do a live uh, Q&A inside the private Facebook group. So if you are part of Bible Study Made Simple and you've not yet asked to join the private Facebook group, then you can go on. We sent you an email. We sent it out so you have access to the link. But you can always search Bible Study Made Simple on Facebook. It's a private group. Request to join. We'll let you in. Uh, and you don't want to miss that. We want to hear all of your questions before we get into Bible studies and stuff like that. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. I love you. We will see you tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a wonderful and a powerful Monday, and I'll talk to you soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.